Stuff Church. I'm your host, Homer Hargrove, and today we are continuing our series, Be the Church. And this is part five of this series, and today we're going to talk about the three baptisms, the three baptisms. And uh, all this month, we've been talking about really practical and spiritual aspects about what it is to be Christian, what it is to be the church. And today, I want us to really just take a moment to understand what baptism is and how there's actually three baptisms we're supposed to experience as Christians. To understand this better, I want us to go all the way back to uh, the, the book of Leviticus and understand what uh, what the Bible has taught us all the way from the beginning. In the Old Testament, it has three primary methods of purifications and making atonement. And that is through either blood, water, or fire. In Leviticus chapter 17, verse 11, it talks about how blood is the, the one thing that makes atonement for ourselves. Blood makes atonement for our sin. Blood makes atonement. Blood makes atonement. It talks about it um, in depth all throughout the Old Testament. And in the book of Numbers, it makes this uh, in verse uh, chapter 31, verse 23, it talks about putting everything through either fire or water. And so we see very clearly in scripture that it's either blood, water, or fire, that things are purified. And at first glance, you could read through this and think, you know, it's just a, this weird part of the Old Testament, it's just this weird thing that they did. But I want us to understand that nothing in scripture is by accident. All scripture is inspired by God. And we see this method actually in the whole grand scheme of things, even the world. Look, think for a moment. Again, it's blood, water, and fire, right? Well, when we look at the entire earth, when we look at the world, we see that one, it was covered in all of water. The great flood, we see the entire earth covered in water. And then on the cross, we see the entire earth covered in blood. The blood of Jesus covers the entire earth. And the Bible says in the book of Revelations, then in, in second first, second Peter, that in the end times and in, in the new heaven and new earth, uh, it will happen after our earth is consumed by fire. So we again see the same method, right? We see blood, water, and fire. And just think for a moment if, if the even in the scriptures and it talks about how the new earth will have seas of glass and streets of gold. Remember that? Well, if the earth was consumed in fire, and I'm talking about immense heat, well, it would, it would evaporate all of the water on earth, all of the water in the seas. And what happens to sand under immense heat, under fire, turns to glass. So there you see the seas of glass. Well, if the earth was under this immense heat, it would also cause all the, the precious metals underneath the earth's surface. It would cause it to boil to the top as all the top surface would be scorched. The, the purest metals would rise to the top, causing streets of gold. Seas of glass, streets of gold. So we see this method is important, right? We see it's a serious method. And we see that blood, we see the water, and we see fire. And I want us to now break it down to a personal level. As a Christian, God calls us to these three experiences well. These three experiences in baptism. That is starting off with the blood baptism. Let's start there. The blood baptism is of repentance. That's what it really means. And in this point, I want us to understand that you are saved the very 
moment that you call on Jesus. We that's what we believe as a church. That's what we believe as Christians, and we simply believe that the moment you call on Christ, you become a Christian. Uh, you, you you're saved. You go from death to life, and to understand that what repentance means, that word literally means to change direction. Repentance means to change direction. And the moment that you have a genuine heart change, the moment that you are, in a sense, you call on Jesus, you are covered in the blood, you have that repentance with a genuine heart. For me, what that looked like was I was uh, I was a very different person before I gave my life to Christ, completely different. I was not only self-destructive in my addictions and being addicted to drugs and alcohol, and among other things, but I was also a violent person. I wasn't just self-destructive. I, I was hurtful towards others. And when I had this moment of realization of what the blood of Jesus meant for me, it was a specific day where I realized why Jesus died on the cross, because to make atonement for my sins through his blood. In that moment, I had this, this amazing emotional experience in which I realized that God loved me, that Jesus loved me enough to die on the cross. And I had this repented moment. Nothing in my life had changed. It was all this work done on the inside of my heart. And I made a simple prayer, just me and God. There's, it wasn't at a church. It was just at the table I would read at. And I had this simple prayer in which I called on the name of Jesus. In that moment, I had a genuine heart change. I had a change of direction moment. I went from death to life. And even though nothing changed on the outside, there's definitely a change on the inside. And in that moment, I was saved. See, that's what that blood baptism is calling on the name of Jesus. You're calling on the blood of Jesus to wash over you. And I want us to, if we understand that clearly, let us now understand what water baptism is. Water baptism is about representation. We often get this confused. We think that water baptism is a symbol of repentance when it's not. That's the blood of Jesus. That's what that is, is repentance. We have a changed life. Water baptism is like saying, I love you out loud. That's what it's like. I, I want to read you all a couple of verses. It says in the book of Romans chapter 6, verse 1 through 4, says, What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin so that grace may increase? Far from it. How shall we who died to sin still live in it? See, it's talking about repentance, having a changed heart, which reflects a changed life. And it goes on to say, or do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus have been baptized into his death? Therefore, we have been buried with him through baptism into death, so that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may walk in the newness of life. See, it's describing identifying with Jesus's death. And representing our death to sin and death to our old life and being identifying with his resurrection coming out of the water and representing our new life in Christ. And see, it's all about identity, re uh, representing this change. And it is different than repentance. See, repentance, is, is that, again, that is calling on the grace of Jesus. That's what it is representation is identifying on uh, identifying in jesus the, and it's such a difference see we we've been taught we've been taught by so many people that that water baptism is about repentance in the book of acts chapter chapter 19 
Paul is on his third missionary journey and he finds this group of believers and he says, have you received the Holy Spirit and have you received the baptism of the Holy Spirit? And they respond by saying, we have only received the baptism of John. And what Paul says, this is a really big deal. He says, John's baptism was just of repentance. It, it, and he says that John was foreshadowing. He was saying that he was a voice calling out in the wilderness of one to come. And that they, and he tells them that they should be baptized in the name of Jesus. When Jesus calls us to be baptized, and he tells the disciples to be baptizing him in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. See, it's all about identification. Water means nothing. It, it, water does not wash away our sins. That's what the blood of Jesus does. It's all about representation. It's bearing witness. That's what water does. It bears witness. And and it was so such a significant difference that Paul baptizes them again. They were already water baptized for repentance by John. And he baptizes them again in the name of Jesus. And so if we were to understand that water baptism about representation, what it's recognizing is this outward expression that, that I'm not only a call on Jesus in my heart, but I am not ashamed of calling on Jesus publicly. That's what water baptism is about. I like to compare it to a wedding ring. See, with or without this ring, I am married to my wife. If I wear it or if I don't wear it, I am married to her. Just like salvation with or without water baptism, we are saved by grace, by that blood baptism, by calling on the name of Jesus. But the ring just like water baptism is to, to show everybody else that I belong to somebody. That's what water baptism does physically and spiritually. And as another a biblical note to, to say that water baptism is not a requirement of our faith, but it, it is a meaningful practice of our faith, is look at the thief on the cross that was repentant. St. Dismas, when he called on Jesus and he died on the cross. But Jesus told him, today you will be with me in paradise. He, he gives him a promise of salvation, even though he was not water baptized, showing that salvation is based on faith in Christ alone. So if we understand the importance of blood baptism, now we understand a water baptism is about repentance. Uh, uh, sorry, <laughs> that's the opposite of what I've been saying. Water baptism is about representation. And we can see that now. Now let us understand one of the most overlooked things within our christian faith and that is the fire baptism which is the regeneration we talked about repentance we talked about representation now we're talking about regeneration and that is done by the holy spirit that is the holy spirit the holy spirit is essential for the moments in life that don't make sense and jesus promised the holy spirit john the baptist john the baptist promise of jesus who would come and baptize in the spirit and I want to share what the first uh, baptism in the Holy Spirit was. Is in uh, Acts chapter 2, verse 1 through 4. And this is the moment of Pentecost. And it says, on the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. And suddenly there was a sound from heaven, like roaring of a mighty windstorm. And it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them the, this ability. See, this is the third baptism, and it's a baptism of fire. Now, some people believe, 
some denominations believe that this is like a one and done baptism, just like, you know, what Jesus did on the cross, blood, for, blood was shed for everyone. Well, some people believe that this is a one and done baptism in the Holy Spirit. I do not believe that. We at Gravetop, we do not believe that because in Acts chapter 10, the first convert, Cornelius, the first Gentile convert, they received a, a baptism of the Holy Spirit. The moment that they believed in Christ, as Peter was sharing the gospel moment, uh, the gospel message, the moment that they believed, they the Holy Spirit baptized them himself. It didn't even require the disciples to lay hands on them. The moment they believed, they received the Holy Spirit, and then they were water baptized. And see, we see the separation. It's different from Pentecost. We see moment after moment, time after time, where believers were received a baptism of the Holy Spirit separate from this moment at Pentecost. Now, on top of this, I want to point out something else. See, it, it, there's some denominations that believe that the only representation of being baptized with the Holy Spirit is speaking in tongues. It's this unintelligible speech. Like, uh, if you don't know, uh, if you've never heard it before, it's like saying, retie my bow tie, but really fast. Retie my bow tie. Retie my bow tie. Retie my bow tie. Or you say, I bought a Honda, but I should have bought a Chevy. I bought a Honda, but I should have bought a Chevy. I bought a Honda, but I should have bought a Chevy. See, all of a sudden you'll be speaking in tongues in no time. See, some people believe that speaking in tongues is the only form of, uh, of representing that you receive the Holy Spirit. But we see in Scripture, just like in, we see in this book of Acts, and we see in other parts of Scripture, two, two things are seen. It says that people began speaking in unknown languages, and then also that says that people start prophesying, that people start prophesying. The difference is that speaking in tongues is unintelligible speech unless there's an interpreter, another spiritual gift. But prophesying is in, is, is uh, knowledgeable speech, meaning that God is speaking through someone and everybody else can understand it. And see, we see every moment that there's, some, there's that and then there's prophesying, that there's, there's both things working together. And I think that we could also make an argument that there's probably some people there. Again, there's thousands of people being uh, receiving the Holy Spirit at Pentecost, they're receiving salvation. We see hundreds of people receive the Holy Spirit. I'm sure there were some people there that were not prophesying and that were not speaking in tongues and that were just there like, man, this is crazy. <laughs> Look at what all that's going on. God is doing something amazing. And see, we it's not that that we see, the Bible does not say that there were no one there that was not prophesying. It only speaks of those who are prophesying and those in speaking in tongues. We would have to assume we would have to make an assumption that there that it was either everybody or there were some people that were not doing either. And the, the reason I make this emphasis is because I've met so many people who are confused of whether or not they've been baptized in the Holy Spirit because they do not speak in tongues. And the Bible consistently shows that the Holy Spirit does not like our rules. Every I've heard denominations that say that you have to receive the Holy Spirit by someone laying hands on you. Well, the book of Acts, no one laid hands on them. They received it miraculously. Acts chapter 10, Cornelius and his entire family received it before anybody could even tell them about it. But we also see in Acts chapter 19 where Paul specifically prays for them to receive it. So we see that there's not necessarily a, a system, a rigid system that you have to follow. But what we do see is that when you call on the Holy Spirit, he will answer you. And I think that's something that we need to take away in this moment, that, that we should call on the Holy Spirit. See, the Holy Spirit, this is the aspect 
of God that we often neglect. See, most prayers start with Father God and end with in Jesus' name. See, those are two aspects of God, but we as Protestant non-denominational Christians, we believe in the Trinity. And we believe that's three aspects of one God. We believe in God the Father, God the Son, and we believe in God the Holy Spirit. And those three aspects make up one God. We focus on two of them, but we neglect the Holy Spirit because we find a hard time articulating how the Holy Spirit works. We just need to understand that the Holy Spirit shows up. It makes, it makes things happen for when things don't make sense. The way that I like to describe the idea of the Trinity is that it's like an orange. It's an orange is three parts making up one orange. You have the, the peel, which is like the flesh. That's what Jesus is. He So what we could see, what we could feel, what we could touch. It's our interaction with the orange as mankind. The seed is like the originator, the creator, how we imagine Father God. And then the, the pulp. That's all the juicy stuff in between. That's what the Holy Spirit is. See, those three parts make up one orange. We understand that that's how the Holy Spirit works, and we should not neglect the juicy stuff. The Holy Spirit, I mean, when you look at your life, when you think back, all the moments in your life, we just knew that God had helped you. Those moments where you got those ooga-booga feelings, those goosebumps, and you just knew that God was speaking to you. That was the Holy Spirit. That was that connecting force from earth to heaven, connecting you to God. That's what the Holy Spirit does. Jesus, he's not inside of our heart. He sits on the throne. But the Holy Spirit, that is what is in your heart. Jesus is, is a, a tangible person who is on earth. And it says in Acts chapter 1 that he ascended back to heaven. He's not in your heart. That is the Holy Spirit. He sits on the throne. The second coming, he's coming back. What we have right now is the Holy Spirit. That is the connecting force for us as mankind. Why do we neglect it? Let us and imagine that this Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, is necessary for our Christian walk. It is the regenerating force inside of us, giving us a new heart. Not only does it give us a new heart, we need to it, it makes us a new creation, but it empowers you. It says the same spirit that rose Jesus from the dead dwells inside of you. The power of the Holy Spirit, what, what raises the dead, what causes miracles to happen, that all of the power of God is, is that dwelling the Holy Spirit. We should not neglect the Holy Spirit. And so I urge you, this idea of, uh, of, of receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Look, I could lay hands on you. Someone else could lay hands on you. But I would urge you to call on God. Call on Jesus yourself. For me, I remember the moment. I'll, I'll end with this, this last story. I remember the moment when which I was new to my faith. And I, just like I shared earlier, I had this this blood baptism where I call on Jesus name and I was saved. And then I had this moment, January 27, 2010 was that moment that I got water baptized. And for me, it was that representation moment. I, it was a day that I truly had surrender in my life. And I said, God, I can trust you with everything. Even my peace. I can trust you with that. It's my day at my spiritual birthday, uh, Mark, because that's the day where I represented Christ in my life. I was saved before that, but that was a, a meaningful day for me. It was also my sobriety day. 
that was the day that I, that was the last day I smoked weed. That was, that's when I decided to be sober. And it, it was one of the best decisions of my life. So it's a powerful birthday. I'm now 13. <laughs> and, and so that's what that water baptism was like. Now the Holy Spirit baptism, I remember specifically one day going to church and they, they, they had this, this, this prayer call. And they said, anyone that wants to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, come up, we're going to pray for you. And I, I didn't even know what that was, okay? I was, I was really just, I was new to the faith, but I just, all I had in my mind is that, I don't know what that is, but if it's going to bring me closer to God, then I want it. I, and I was just like, just in case, let me go to the altar. So I went up and I just thought it was like a time for worship. And all of a sudden this lady came up to me and she started praying over me. And she was like a hardcore, you know, one of those like hardcore Mexican Christian ladies, like, like real into it. And, and she started praying over me and it took me a minute to realize that she wasn't praying in Spanish, that she was praying in tongues and she was praying over me. All of a sudden she started praying for me to start speaking in tongues. And she said, receive the Holy spirit. And she was like shouting at me and she was saying like all kinds of stuff. She was like, ah, bah, bah, bah. receive it. Let fire come out of your mouth. Receive it like fire. And I let it come out of your mouth. And I was like, all right, chill out. <laughs> and I just, I was trying to just be polite. And I just kind of smiled and, and try to go back to my mindset of worship and, and eventually, you know, she 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 kept praying for me and she eventually moved on. And I thought, man, that was crazy. <laughs> and I, I didn't really want anything a part of what she was doing. I thought, man, if I cross over to that, then I'm uh, that's cult. That's a cult. I don't want to be a part of that. And that night when I went home, I felt this curiosity deep in my soul. And I was curious and wondering of what this really was, this this baptism of the Holy Spirit. What is it? And this whole speaking in tongues thing, it, it, it not only confused me, but not, not only did I not understand it, but it made me uncomfortable. And I remember I got to this place where it's just no one else in the room. It's just me. And I got on my knees and, and I remember reading about like people speaking in tongues or unknown languages in the book of Acts. And I remember reading about it, but I didn't understand it. And I just got on my knees and I said, God, I really don't understand this. But if it's going to bring me closer to you, then I want it. Please, I pray, just fill me with your Holy Spirit. I want the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And for me, I was like, well, if, I don't know what speaking in tongues is, but let me give it a shot. And again, I'm not saying that speaking in tongues is this, this seal of approval. It's not. I don't believe that. The Bible says uh, that does everyone speak in tongues? No. Does everyone prophesy? No. But some do. And I remember, I, I simply was like, I, I wanted to experience this gift. And so I was like, I was there and I was like, let me receive the Holy Spirit. And I didn't necessarily feel anything. I was waiting for a cloud to come down and descend upon me and make it this magical moment. That didn't really happen. And so I was just like, well, maybe I need to get in the mood. <laughs> maybe that's what it is. And I remember that lady, one of the, 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 the utterances that she made was, ah, <laughs> I, I remember remembering that. So maybe I should try that. Let, let me just, you know, give a little step of faith. Maybe if I get, you know, get, I need to get the Holy Spirit in the mood. Maybe that's what it is. And again, this is all like childlike faith, right? And I, I gave it a shot and I just said, ah, bah, bah. And when I made this little step of faith, I felt this rush over me. It's hard to articulate, but it was just good. It was, that, it was the presence of God. And I, I just thought, whoa, ah, bah, 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 bah. And from that moment, I started speaking in tongues. And for me, speaking in tongues, praying in tongues is one of the best gifts I've ever received because I don't know about you, but I'm just not good at praying. I, I, I mean, sometimes I can pray and it hits. I'm like, man, that sounds pretty good. 
But generally, when I pray for someone, even when I've cast out demons, it's like very ordinary prayers. I'm like, come out of them right now in Jesus' name. Boom, done. I, I don't feel very creative or poetic when I pray. And I feel like I, I pray what I need to pray. And I'm like, well, I want to I want to spend more time in prayer. And I just don't know what I'll say. And for me, that's when praying in tongues comes in. See, the Bible says that speaking in tongues, praying in tongues is for the building of one's own faith. It's not for other people. It's for you. Prophesying, that is for the edifying of others. That's for edifying of the church. But speaking in tongues is for the edifying of oneself. It's, it's one of the only gifts of the Holy Spirit that is for yourself. And, and for me, it's been one of the greatest gifts. And there's just a day where I, I decided I'm no longer going to be embarrassed or ashamed to say that I have this beautiful gift that, that the Holy Spirit has given me. And now, I'm, again, I'm, my goal in sharing this is not for people to start speaking in tongues. I really don't care if you speak in tongues or not. My goal is for you to believe, to have childlike faith, to believe that the baptism of the Holy Spirit is something that you should desire, something that you should want as a Christian. And if you have any doubt in your mind of whether or not you've received that baptism of the Holy Spirit, to simply pray to God today, tonight, don't let another day go by. Simply ask God that and say that you want to receive the Holy Spirit baptism. And, and if you feel like you, and whether you speak in tongues, whether you start prophesying, or whether you just simply pray that, that, that's between you and God. I believe the Holy Spirit is able to reach you just where you're at. But call on God. And I think that you'd be surprised on how he shows up. I, I, I urge you to make your own personal cry for the Holy Spirit to fill your life. Because we need it. We need the power of the Holy Spirit. Don't neglect it anymore. Let me end on this verse. Titus chapter 3 verse 5 says, He saved us not on the basis of deeds which we did in righteousness. But in accordance with his mercy, we're saved by grace, not by our good deeds, not by our works. And in the same way, you don't receive the Holy Spirit by how good of a Christian you could be. It's by God's grace and mercy and by the washing of regeneration and renewing by the Holy Spirit. See, that's what the Holy Spirit does. It renews and regenerates us. So I urge you, have a conversation with God today. Pray for him for this receiving of the Holy Spirit. And maybe, maybe you're not even there yet. Maybe before you pray for the baptism of fire, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, maybe even before you even just, uh, think about getting water baptized, maybe you need that blood baptism. If you've never made a clear, distinctive moment in which you've called on the name of Jesus, in which you put your trust in Jesus as your Lord and Savior, and you want to do that today. Don't let another day go by, but let today be the day that you make a decision. Most people are, are stopped in that moment because they think, well, what if I can't be a good enough Christian? What, what if I can never do this again, never do that again? I'm telling you, you need to get rid of those thoughts. Stop letting your insecurities stop you from having a genuine relationship with your creator. The Holy Spirit does a greater work than you realize. If that's you, I urge you to have a conversation today. You don't need me to lead you through a pretty prayer. You can talk to Jesus yourself. The, book, the Bible says in the book of Romans that if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is who he says he is, surely you shall be saved. What it's saying is if you have a genuine heart and talk to him yourself, that that's all it takes to start this relationship with him, this journey with him. It's not about having a religion. It's about having that that journey, that relationship with Christ. 
you can have that conversation today. Just talk to me yourself. And so with all that being said, I urge you to have that conversation. Now I'm going to pray for anyone here. If you want to receive the Holy Spirit, just right where you're at, I'm going to pray for you to receive that baptism in the Holy Spirit. But I need you to do your part and just, just tell God right now in this moment, I surrender. I surrender and I want you, God. I want you in my life. And if this Holy Spirit, if this baptism is, will bring me closer to you, then let me receive it. I want to receive it. Call out to God and I'm going to pray for you. Holy Spirit, right now, you know where they're at, wherever they are. I pray that you would touch them with your fire, that just like in Pentecost, that your flames of fire would come down, that you'd go out forth and submerge them in your Holy Spirit presence, that you would submerge and fill them with your fire, and that they would feel a tangible difference of the Holy Spirit in filling them. And I pray, God, that you'd go forth and that you'd cause people to prophesy, that you'd cause people to speak in tongues, that you'd cause people to receive the Holy Spirit. And if they don't prophesy, if they don't speak in tongues, cause them to just feel the, um, the immense peace of God right now in Jesus' name. Amen. I hope that this message was meaningful and edifying to you and your faith. Uh, it, I'm so glad that you were part today. We're going to close out. And before we do, I want to let you know that we are moving into our new location very soon. So if you haven't made it out in person, plan to join us at our new place. We're going to be meeting at Adrenaline Dance Studio up at Petrenko near 1604. And I'm super excited about us moving into this new, new place on Sundays. Um, but uh, if you have it on your heart to donate to Gravetop Church, I want you to know that we never want anyone to to, to give or donate out of pressure or persuasion. In fact, the Bible literally says to not give out of compulsion because God loves a cheerful giver. He wants it to be done out of a genuine heart. So if you have it on your hearts to donate today, if you have it on your hearts to give, you must know that you make a difference at Grave Top Church. When you give, you extend the impact we're able to make as a ministry to be made in somebody else's life. Even just us meeting in this new location, just, just needing chairs, just needing this, this equipment we need to meet in this place. When you donate, you help us to make simple things like that happen. And even everything we do as an extension of Grave Top Church, every Sunday, did you know that Grave Top Church goes to, to a recovery center and we minister to people who are trying to make a difference in their lives, who are going through detox, who are going through recovery, and they're able to have a Christ-filled message. And it all happens because of the generosity of those who give. You make ministry happen for others when you give. So I want to thank you again for all of those who make an impact through your generosity. We're simply stewards of your act of worship. And we're so grateful for you guys being a part of our online community. I hope you all have a great rest of your evening. We love you. Good night. Good night.